Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hope you're having a great Saturday. So excited to talk to our guest today. He flies the most awesome helicopter ever made, the Apache Helicopter. John Townsend, how are you, John? Good, sir. How are you? I, I, I'm so great. I'm just excited you took time to... Uh, to talk with us today where did you grow up uh, so i grew up in shawnee kansas i was born in georgia but moved to kansas at a pretty early age and that's where i grew up now in my experience aviation kind of runs like in my family and it seems like it runs in families was there anyone that exposed you to this as a kid you know normally i'd agree with that but uh, i think i was the exception to that rule uh, nobody in my family really grew up flying. Uh, my dad did try to go uh, become an aviator in his army career, but timing just didn't work out. So I ended up being the first aviator in my family. So would he have potentially been maybe a Huey pilot or something? What what would his age group have been flying? He probably would have been a Huey, probably the latter end of the, the Huey generation, uh, beginning of the Blackhawk generation. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So when when exactly did you go in the Army? When did you decide, I am going to fly something? So I started flying, for the, the, the broader picture, I started flying when I was 14, but joined the Army at 18 and enlisted, and then became an Army aviator about three years into my Army career. So, John, if somebody's, you know, a kid's listening, and they, they're fascinated with helicopters and things, obviously you've got a college education in there somewhere. How does that go? Or what does somebody need to be thinking about if they want to go do what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. One we get all the time. So the army branch is the only branch that does not require any type of college education. You just need to have uh, at least a high school diploma to really? be able to submit. You yeah, have to be able to submit a packet. It's one of those things that most people don't know about. Where can I sign offers, up? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the Army offers that a uh, high school to fight school um, or street to seat. But yeah, pretty much anybody at 18 years or older uh, can submit a packet uh, and go to fight school. So, and it's becoming a lot more common now than it, than it used to be. I mean, I got to ask you, do, do you ever sit and look at your job? Because people say this kind of thing that hey, eventually a drone's going to replace you. I mean, is is it true the last fighter pilot has been born, or, or is this sort of thing going to continue? I think it's going to continue for a while. Uh, we definitely have a very strong uh, and growing UAS community, uh, which is our drone community. But for now, uh, the way the Army is played in uh, you know, future things, we definitely are incorporating UAS into what we do. But I don't, I don't think they're going to replace us anytime soon. Uh, at least I, I hope not. So, well, there's got to be something to be said for a real person looking at it with their own eyes and being on the scene that just probably doesn't translate on a computer monitor. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I'm not very familiar with with UAS, but uh, and of course, bias coming from my opinion, being the one that's sitting in the helicopter. So, I don't want to be replaced, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So, <laughs> plus, is people continue to enjoy it. You know, that's a good selling factor. Like, please don't replace us. So. Tell us about the the training. Uh, you know what it took learning to fly. That I got, obviously you started on a fixed wing at fourteen, but what is the Army's training? What obviously you don't start out just sitting in an Apache. 
No. So um, everybody, if you, if you do decide to go to flight school, there's two routes. There's the warrant officer route, and then there's the commission officer route. So if you take the warrant officer route, which is what I did, um, you can either come do the high school to flight school, or you can do where you're coming from the military itself. But everybody, regardless of previous background, shows up to Fort Rucker, Alabama, which is where the Army does their flight school. And you start primary. So if, if you're a warrant, you go to walks, which is six weeks. Uh, but everybody shows up um, to the same place. Everybody starts with the same slate. Uh, you start primary flight school, uh, which is about a couple months. And you learn how to fly in the UH-72 Lakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to do two different aircraft, but the Army's completely phased out. Uh, the TH-67, which is a military variant of the Belt 206. Yeah. Uh, and then now everybody flies the UH-72, which is, it's it's super nice. Uh, I really enjoyed flying that one. Uh, it's It's got a lot of, a lot of upper hold modes that, that make flying it fairly easy. But then once you're done with that, uh, you transition into your primary uh, aircraft or what you'll fly for the rest of your career. So you learn how to fly, doing all the basic stuff first uh, and then once you're done with that you go and select your aircraft that you'll fly for the rest of your aviation career and do you select it or do they choose you i mean obviously apache sounds cooler than a chinook but maybe somebody would prefer that yeah i mean it all depends uh, actually before i even joined the army I, I, I wanted to fly chinooks but once i got into the army i was like you know i want to think i want to fly apaches but there's some decision make in you but it's there's also some you know the army might be like hey we need to fill uh, a lot of Blackhawks uh, right now just looking at future per, uh, projections for what the army is going to look like you know in five years so it depends but as long as you do well in flight school uh, and if you have the highest OML uh, you know get the best grades mm-hmm. there's the chance uh, and a pretty good chance that you'll get to pick your primary aircraft as well as your first duty station. So the harder you try and the more work you put in, you're usually rewarded for it in uh, flight school. I guess also the, the helicopter you choose uh, will have a lot to do with what base you end up at, correct? I mean, not every base has an Apache. Yeah, that's, uh, for the most part, that's uh, that's correct. So um, it, it depends, especially if you go into like the fixed wing world, uh, which the Army has as well. It's uh, another thing that most people don't know about. Um, but their duty stations are, uh, slightly limited, but usually if you pick any Blackhawk, Chinook or Apache, you have the, the chance to go to pretty much any base, uh, or army base across the, the country, as well as Oconus. So outside of the contiguous U S I didn't even know the army had any airplanes. I knew that like the Marines had Harriers or whatnot, but the army operates planes. Yeah, we do. So it's it's actually another aircraft that you can pick in flight school uh, if you want to. Usually it's a little bit more competitive and they just may not have any at all. But uh, we operate and fly the C-12 as well as different variants of the C-12. Uh, there's other aircraft as well, other fixed wing aircraft, but the C-12 is the one you learn to fly. And then you can kind of branch out and go fly like Dash 8s and uh, other aircraft, uh, just bigger bigger transport aircraft that's so cool so i gotta ask you along the way with your training or maybe with your continuing training is there an apache simulator and if so how realistic is that yeah there is one and it's it's 
uh, realistic. And we, we actually have simulator minimums that we have to uh, get every six months and annually. So we use that as, uh, I mean, we use it for everything um, and we can use it to practice uh, different engagements and um, flying at nighttime. It, it's very realistic. I mean, we, we get in there with our helmets on that I fly with. <laughs> so it's, it's the same helmet and then uh, everything's the same. So all the buttons are the same. There's nothing that is in the aircraft that's not in the sim. Uh, and then the ones that you use in flight school, the Lakota simulators are uh, even better. I mean, they're on this high rise system that makes it feel like you're actually flying the aircraft. It goes left, right, forward and back. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. They're, they're very realistic. So are you sitting in like the body of an Apache? Are you actually flipping physical switches or, cause I play Oculus. So I got to wonder how much of yeah. it is real life outside of the helmet and how much is, you know, the video. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I, I mean, I can actually, I'm stepping into a, you know, a full cockpit when I get into the simulator, a uh, full cockpit. And then there's uh, a full set of screens that surround me uh, pretty much in a greater than 180 degrees. So I'm completely immersed in video uh, and it's, it's very realistic. Oh, that must be incredible. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but nothing beats flying the real thing. I mean, I'll say that much. So, what rank are you, John? So I'm currently a CW two, uh, so I'm the still in the in the lower part of the the warrant officer ranks. But warrant officers have W one through W five, and I'm currently sitting at W two. Well, there you go. Um, I, I'm wondering with the Apache, and I've gotten to get up close and touch one of that once at an air show in phoenix i don't know if they let you do that anymore but at one time you could go around and touch the thing and you know get a, i'm sure you do air shows from time to time yes we absolutely still do those uh i was supposed to do one a few months ago and uh, just missed out on the opportunity but because i had to go down to fort rucker for some uh, additional training uh, for my career progression but yeah, we absolutely still do those, and everybody loves uh, doing stuff like that just because it's a good morale booster for us, uh, and it's a good way to do some some recruiting. Oh, oh, my gosh, yes, absolutely. So for people that really don't know a lot about the uh, AH-64 Apache, there it's two seats. Which positions are the pilot, and which position is the gunner? They sit front and back of each other. Correct, yeah. So we're the only tandem aircraft in the Army's inventory so it doesn't matter. We're both rated crew members, so I can sit in the front uh, or I can sit in the back. Uh, we do have flight minimums or hour minimums that we have to get for either seat. Uh, so we usually like to switch it up. But the front seater is primarily kind of running a fight uh, and generally does most of the uh, the shooting and stuff uh, or engagements uh, and training. But in the back seater, we'll do primarily all the flying. But for just flying around here stateside, I mean, we can both fly from either either crew station. Really? Um, so, yeah. So I didn't know that. Um, is it true like we see in the movies where like uh, the 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 gunner moves his head and his helmet and, and, and is looking at the sight through an eyepiece and the gun moves with that? Is that true? That is true. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you're uh, talking about firebirds. We we don't like to bring up that movie in our community because it's kind of a bad example of. It was <laughs> the Top Gun aircraft, of helicopters. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah, it was a, I think it was a wannabe Top Gun, but that's absolutely true. So we can uh, 
uh, a pretty much slave our, our helmet site. So it's the little monocle that we have right in front of our eye and I can uh, slave the weapon system as well as any sensors at the forward part of the aircraft to my helmet. So if I look left, the gun and my sights can move left. And if I move right, same thing. But is that, as the pilot, is that only synced up to whoever is the gunner at the time? Obviously, I didn't know you could sit in either seat. Only one of you is linked to the gun, I guess. So we can both link to the gun, uh, but usually, and it all depends on who's, you know, who's flying and what their technique is, but uh, the backseater can attach the gun to their head and look left and right if they want to. But if the front seater is using the gun, uh, obviously they have priority for that weapon system at the time. So, um, but I can take the gun from either seat from the other crew member if I wanted to, but uh, <laughs> that's usually not what we do. Well, if you're the pilot and you're in the back seat, I've seen photographs. And I've always wondered, is the front guy's helmet kind of in your way in your line of sight? Uh, no, usually not. So I sit about three or four feet above the person in front of me. I guess if you get a, like a really tall guy, it might affect it, but you can put those seats up and down. Uh, so it's usually, it usually doesn't affect it. I gotcha. Well, people that like helicopters know there's such thing as a longbow. Would you tell us what is a longbow Apache and what, you know, one that does not have a longbow? What is that exactly? Yeah. So the longbow is, is the Delta model. Um, but we've kind of taken systems from the Delta model Apache, which is what the Echo model Apache is replacing. Um, so I, I fly the Echo now, but we've been slowly um, replacing the Delta model, which used to be the longbow. We still do have some kind of longbow components within our aircraft now. Um, but when we talk about the longbow, that's just the Delta model. And then the H64 Echo is the Guardian. I've always thought the longbow had the the big radar ball or whatever on top of the blades. Uh, no, so that's the that's our FCR fire control radar system. So the in the AH sixty four Echo has that as well, uh, and it's just an alternate means of us being able to engage. Um, so it's just a, a radar system that sits on top of the aircraft, um, and we can do scans with it and find enemy vehicles or whatever. Ah. Uh. And very impressive. I got to ask you, when I got up on the Apache at this air show I was telling you about, to me, it seemed like the thing was like incredibly awesome, but the glass in the windows to me felt like plexiglass from Home Depot. Is that not right? It just didn't no, seem like yeah. what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it does feel like that. It scratches kind of easy. Uh, it is ballistic proof, kind of. So the one that sits in between our cockpit front and back uh, is ballistic, uh, but the plexiglass on the sides um, does have some kind of resistance, but, but not really. It's not meant to be that glass on the side is not meant to be ballistic. Uh, and you're absolutely right. It's just like plexiglass, pretty, pretty flimsy, but thick enough to keep us, keep us safe in there flying around. Yeah. We need an Apache window. Somebody run down to Lowe's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty much what that's what it feels like now are you guys sitting in any type of an armored bathtub like we know the warthog has uh yeah kind of so it's kind of the same process so our seats got some uh protect protective uh coating in it uh and pads uh we've got these little doors that we can move on the sides of our seats 
Uh, but really the only protective padding we have is at least in our cockpit is from our seats. I got you. Tell me, uh, how are Apaches hauled to the Middle East? I don't think you could fly a helicopter that far. <laughs> no, usually not. Um, we can do sea or air, uh, usually. Um, air is probably the preferred method, just because you when you start doing sea stuff, you, you're thinking about salt considerations, which ah. can corrode aircraft components. I got you. And probably take longer to get there. Yeah, absolutely. So in the desert, did you have to really consider things or were there anything about the helicopter they really didn't think about that sand causes a problem? Uh, not so much um, that we don't see here as well in the States because uh, we do go out to like NTC, which is in Barstow, California, and we do a, a lot of desert operations out there. So um, there are some sandy and dusty environment considerations that we have, but it's not too much more than what our, our day-to-day of just, you know, taking off from an airport and landing back to an airport. I got you. Hey, I got to ask you, I read a thing online that they have successively tested a laser weapon mounted on an Apache. What do you know about that? Sounds pretty cool. Oh man. No, I don't know anything about that, but we do. We've always had a, a laser. It's called our CADS, uh, and it's just a laser rangefinder slash slash designator. Um, so I, I can designate targets for myself as well as other platforms, uh, as well as get laser range for myself firing weapon systems or just trying to find and look how far something out is. What kind of speed can an Apache go? 200 miles an hour? I, don't, I have no idea. It depends on environmental considerations and our weight. Uh, but usually, I think like the max is about 180 knots, which is a little over 200 miles an hour. But we don't ever fly that fast because everything's shaking at that point. And, uh, <laughs> it's like a Harley. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like death wobble. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. That's funny. Um, but we usually fly around at like 90 to 110 knots uh, for everything we're doing. Because we're, we're the biggest thing is looking at fuel flow. So if you're, if you're topping out and trying to go as fast as you can, uh, your fuel flow is hurting. Oh, I, I can imagine it is. Hey, is is somebody wanting to fly one of these planes? A kid listening is interested in flying a helicopter. How big a deal is eyesight now? I mean, because when I was looking into it, it's like Lasix and stuff, no way. But maybe they've kind of laxed on that in recent years. They have. It's gotten better. I, I don't know the specific uh, rules right now, but. I know that you can absolutely have LASIK as long as it holds and your eyes don't revert, you can submit a packet. Um, but for people that don't, that know they don't have the best eyesight, it's absolutely not a deal breaker. You can still go fly with glasses and the army will even pay for you to get LASIK uh, if you do go to flight school. But the only deal breaker is colorblindness. That's the only one that the army says. Uh, Gotta have not. that. Um, I mean, I appreciate you being on the show. The, the Apache is getting fairly old. Is there anything in the works that may be the next Apache? I don't know if I'll see it in my, in my army career. Uh, who knows? Um, but the army definitely takes a lot of valuable time to test and make sure that they're getting the best product. Um, so they don't want to rush and try to replace the Apache just yet uh, when they don't need to. It seems platform. Yeah, it seems pretty perfect to me. You know, yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. 
It hey, is. Hey, thank you so much. John Townsend and, and AH-64 Apache Pilot. You guys go have a great weekend. See you next week on Guatney Unplugged.